You're listening to the Digital Void Podcast, where we explore digital culture, media, technology, and memes, featuring critical and empowering conversations with experts at the forefront of our digital moment. My name is Josh Chapdelaine, and my co-host is Dr. Jamie Cohen. After months of Twitter alternatives popping up like Fantasia broomsticks, Meta finally launched Threads on Wednesday, July 5th. The app's launch was a surprising success, but can Zuckerberg be the one to wrestle Musk's platform to the mat? On today's episode, Jamie and I explore what led to the platform's successful launch, how trust and safety protocols gave it an edge, and if the app will allow Meta to shake off some of its tainted reputation. Before we begin, remember to follow the Digital Void podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Now, here's today's episode about the launch of Threads. The New York Times reported on July 5th, 2023, that Twitter's ad revenue was down 60% year over year. It was on the very same day that Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Instagram CEO Adam Masseri launched Meta's Twitter alternative, Threads. In the first 24 hours of being live, the new Twitter alternative earned 30 million signups. 30 million signups. It is by far one of the most successful Twitter alternatives in terms of user acquisition. But the question remains, can Meta shake off its stink? Jamie, thanks so much for joining me today on the Digital Void podcast. Thank you. Yeah, lots to talk about. I would love to look at threads from a macro and a micro perspective. I was particularly struck by a video that Adam Masseri recorded on the night of the app's launch, touting the early success of threads. He makes an important note in this video. He says, while it's easy to get people onto the app, and he was celebrating getting people onto the app, the challenge is getting them to stay. So, Jamie, what will keep people on threads as opposed to any of the other Twitter alternatives? The, the the answer to that is going to be a long tail story. I think, as we've talked about multiple times already, is that I do think we're on the precipice of a paradigm shift of social media. And what I, when you talk about paradigm shifts, it means something ends and something else begins. And what we're seeing with all these Twitter clones is that they're using the same structure, or at least the same elemental style as, as Twitter, which means it's not really a paradigm shift. It's really just an evolution onto these platforms. So what keeps people, first one's community, all right? So that's the most important. The second is the, the ability to imagine yourself as someone who could be listened to. And the third one is someone who doesn't mind the advertising. They're all advertising channels. Every platform is an advertising portal. So if you could win at all three of those, then you definitely have an ex a way of sticking around in those those environments. The most important that's like an umbrella structure is safety. If you don't feel like you're going to be safe or be able to express yourself, so that's the second point, is then you're not going to use it. So it really is about how people feel as a community on those spaces. As of now, there's different sub-communities on all of them, which definitely have cohered into usability spaces. But long term, I mean, this is something that we're, it's going to be exciting to watch. I think it will be exciting to watch. And I really appreciate the three threads that you began. Community, the ability to be listened to, and ads. And I think despite the business angle of this, 
being front and center with Meta executives, I think the general public can oftentimes overlook some of Meta's continued success in the space, especially the ad space, in terms of its sustainability. It's important to note that last November, Meta's stock was roughly $90 a share, and it has increased more than 100% since that time. Even though TikTok is winning vertical video, Instagram Reels is a $1 billion ad business annually. It's massive, despite it not being the most popular platform. So when we look at success, Jamie, what will success look like, A, from the business perspective for Zuckerberg and Mosseri, and what will it look like from the user perspective? And and are those two things compatible? Oh, man, that's great. So from the Zuckerberg Mercer's perspective, obviously, it's going to be how they could show impressions to an advertising system. So whatever ad buys you're buying first, does the portal work well? So buying ads on Facebook still has to be as easy as buying them on Instagram, as easy as buying them on threads. You know, so that's one thing is that it has to have a good back end advertising portal. The second one is pure volume. I mean, just like the stock market, it's about movement. A lot of stock movement you see on a daily basis might you might see the number rise by like to one percent. But the volume itself would have been immense because a lot of people are playing with it. So volume is activity. Volume is the ability to show that people are, are there, they're present, their fingers are touching the screen. And those have real world responsibilities and outcomes that are really valuable to any platform. That's your proof of stake inside of any type of technology that you want to make. So the, the thing that I think Meta has over everyone else is that their portal I mean, it's clunky, but their portal is uh, known. It's well known in the advertising industry. It's very easy to operate. There's whole sections of most agencies that deal directly with Meta. Meta, if you spend enough money, has people that will work directly with you. I mean, none of the other places have that. I mean, if you email Twitter at this point, just asking for a question, a poop emoji response. I think it has a lot to do with its staff. And, and I know we went through the tech layoffs, and I think it's just a consolidation of the bubble. So in its tightening, which is bad for everything, in that tightening, we actually get to see what works works and what doesn't. It kind of reveals the skeleton. I'm reminded of a report that Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg detailed yesterday about how entertainment companies and Hollywood in particular has seen profits vanish over the last decade since the launch of Netflix's streaming. I believe the number was between 22 and $24 billion of profit in the industry has decreased to only several billion dollars in profit. As I look at Twitter as a corollary with ad revenue down 60% year over year, is that money just gone from the space forever? Or do you think that people will begin to shift their dollars toward another Zuck product on the heels of several controversies over the last decade that include inflated video counts that ruined businesses that pivoted to video. Well, that's not Zuckerberg's fault. Okay, so companies pivoting to video following inflated numbers are, is an irresponsible task by the companies doing that. You should trust the people you who work for you, not trust a platform whose dynamics change every six or seven months. That, that was irresponsible on that, the other side. But the profits didn't disappear entirely because they're cash somewhere else. I mean, agencies and advertisers don't throw money away. They just put it somewhere else. So it's being stored. Think of it as like a bank at this point. So they're going, they pivot somewhat to traditional spaces. They go to places where they know it works because you can't deal with a client and be like, sorry, nothing works. They have to explain that somewhere they're doing it. But when you ha when you make money off of Reels or you make money off of a platform where your ad spend results in the return on investment that's necessary, you're looking at people who have time spent power, you know, the return. You're, you're looking for returners. You're looking for people who come back. And so I think what we're watching with a bunch of these platforms is a bunch of exodus. And that's not great for any platform. And when you see a swell, it's not great either because swells 
don't always mean staying, you know? So it's really going to be, do people log in and will they log in tomorrow? VR is a good comparable here because that's where Meta basically blew it because it's novel, it's cute, it's fun, but at a certain point you're exhausted and you're like, I'm not, I'm good, thanks. But we're used to the texting, we're used to Twitter, we're used to this form of communication. So I could foresee this being a little bit more successful than many of the products. I totally agree. And I think that there are a few big features that Meta was able to bake into this product at launch that ultimately will lead to higher audience acquisition and retention. I think if we look at what it's done well and not well, I would love for you to get into what it didn't do well. But so far, my experience on the platform is its ease of integration with Instagram has been a massive win for the platform because it's a click of a button. You want to follow your Instagram following. It is almost seamless. And remarkably, Due to staffing, there are existing trust and safety measures that we'll get into later that already exist on the platform that a lot of Twitter alternatives were not able to provide at launch. Jamie, what was great for you at launch and maybe what didn't work so well? Well, it depends when by the time you're listening to this, it may have changed. Uh, but, but my initial feelings for it was first, I, of course, looked at the terms of service. I wanted to know what it's taking. It has more of a data vacuum than most products out there, much more than Twitter, much more than other things. It has, it takes sensitive data, whatever that means. And there's this vacuuming that the meta apps themselves have always been one of those things that if you keep on your phone, one, it's going to drain your battery. And two, it's going to be sucking up a lot of the user interactions you're making across third-party platforms. And that's because you've already breached Apple's infrastructure. So no matter what, you're basically giving up the rights to some of the data. So on, on launch, I was a little hesitant, but on Twitter's initial landing, well, two things I noticed, and this is this is fascinating to me. One is that people who never use Twitter, people who some of my friends who are on Instagram, who are basically Facebook people, you know, like elder millennials or, or like people who just were really situated in that environment and, and Instagram centric and people who I've spoken to in real life. Where I'm like, are you on Twitter? Like, no, it's too chaotic. X, Y, Z. I don't know what to say. They were there. They were posting on threads. And I was like, wow, so there's a lower barrier to entry for threads. Second is that the people that were posting that had never actually seen the post before, they didn't feel the need to fit into some sort of grammar. They felt like they could just speak. And that's something different that I think that happens on Blue Sky, Post, Mastodon. All of them have a grammar. You know, it's a very specific way of communicating. Twitter has a grammar and those results in responses or engagement. And I don't think because everybody knows it's new, I don't think there's a concern of whether or not anyone's engaging with it. It's just simply being able to express. So the listening part I mentioned before hasn't happened yet. So that's a good thing for the beginning of an app. Obviously, this is a cheat code for Meta. You know, it's gonna, by porting over your billion users into a, an app, instantaneously, you're going to nuke every single other version of this. I mean, that's that's something, but I don't know how many people are going to stay. The problem that I've saw, the biggest problem overall, is that if you start a thread account, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna dabble my toes in there. And you go, ooh, I don't like it. This isn't for me at all. And you go, oh, I'm gonna delete. And it says, oh, sorry, you gotta delete your entire Instagram. That's where, if this is an Instagram product. It's not a meta product. And then you go, uh-oh, I've got myself in there. So you could disable your account, but you can't delete it uh, without deleting your entire archive of your Instagram posts and the history that you've been posting for, as far as I know, like I've been posting on Instagram for, I guess, eight or nine years. It's an archive of my place I've been. I don't delete anything. So that that's sad to me. That's like sad. If something goes sideways, you're kind of reliant on 
<laughs> Zuckerberg to make the right decision. And we already know that's not going to happen. Yeah. If we're relying on Zuckerberg to make the right decision, we're already seeing how even in its advanced trust and safety policy stage compared to other platforms, there are still several issues with the trust and safety policies in place. For instance, YouTuber and streamer Tyler Oakley on Thursday, July 6th, detailed an incident where he shared a homophobic slur that someone called him and he got punished for sharing what someone called him. Those are the types of issues that exist across all of MetaSuite and now will affect a brand new platform. And we learned the importance of trust and safety teams on platforms is paramount to healthy, thriving digital spaces in the last year as Elon Musk has slowly fired and eroded the trust and safety infrastructure of Twitter and has really left many communities vulnerable on the platform and has led to this fracturing overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trust and safety. I think there is no platform success without a good TNS team and a content moderation team and a community management team. And there's a lot of lot of different workers. And in its opposite is Twitter, which basically has none. It's a very unsafe place on Twitter at this point. And if we're talking about safety, now this is something we have to keep in mind too. Of course, we're talking about our personal safety. And the story about Tyler Oakley is important because that's a problem across all platforms. Trust and safety teams don't know how to interact with responses. So by adopting Meta's TNS, it's adopting their, their algorithms too. You know, So it's, it's bringing in a lot of tech that may or may not be really great at being human. But it's good though. I think Blue Sky was doing this from a ground up perspective. And I really did enjoy how Blue Sky was like basically talking directly to the developers and saying, hey, this is the TNS we'd like to see. This is what we're like. This is what makes us feel good. And then they were like straight up bullying the fascists. Like that was kind of neat. Not that we should use these platforms to just bully the hell out of people, but some of the people that showed up were downright not good actors, you know, so they were just bullied and hope they got off the platform. I think the TNS, if you don't have a good safety net in, in process, then you just don't do your app. The upside for them, the reason the onboarding is going well is they already have it. You know, uh, again, I don't like giving them credit at all, but it's like, if you're going to do this, this is how you do it. You know, you don't do a Blue Sky or Post News or Truth Social or Parlor Rip uh, Mastodon or whatever, which is basically do these tiny little invites, kind of selectively choose who goes in, how many people could enter it, beta test it on a human population. Meta already knows that it beta tests everything on a human population. So it just turned the app on and was like, welcome, everybody. Here you go. And, and by that point, from what I see, the user ability it's pretty much worked out. It's usable. It's a usable platform. It doesn't have the features it will have. You could see features coming, but it doesn't have them yet, such as like follow feeds. Right. And so while those features are being developed, I think you touched on something that's really important here. And I think signals something that we began discussing on our previous episode, which is the change in public sentiment from optimism to cynicism about social media platforms, especially new ones over the last 15 years. And as we look at how general audience sentiments toward social media platforms have shifted, one thing that's really interesting is that the very approach that Mark Zuckerberg employed with the famous catchphrase, move fast and break things, has not worked for startup companies in this space. All of the Twitter alternatives that have attempted to launch first and fast have ultimately ended up either sputtering or outright failing because of a lack of trust and safety features, because of a lack of user regard, because of a lack of community emphasis, because of a lack of care or even usability, right? And the race to be first to market, it was using an early 21st century approach, but 
The interesting thing is now it seems that those that are already successful are better prepared to move slower and get it right. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the paradigm shift. Uh, first off, move fast and break things is a Palo Alto style of business. All right. So to give Malcolm Harris some credit here in the book, Palo Alto, he goes deep into that's a well over a hundred year old philosophy inside Silicon Valley. It has never worked and continues not to work. So it really isolates and creates vulnerabilities in the public when you move fast and break things because both aren't good. But care, I think, is what you brought up is the most important. I think in the post social media environment where we're moving to, I think we're going to see a lot more care in the form of people are going to be aware of the systems and how they operate, which is good for us. I mean, that's, uh, that means that our job's going well. We're informing the public enough. I think people are okay with it as we can't escape it because it keeps getting worse. And then they're willing to take some sort of good with the bad. I mean, they're they're willing to swallow some of the, the evils that come with a lot of these platforms because their community is there and their language. So let's let's just take a step back. I mean, COVID really is the moment where social media ended in its the iteration that we were used to. It's now we're moving toward that post. It doesn't end overnight. It just shifts. COVID revealed to us what it means to really connect with one another, what it means to be distant and connected at the same time, and to express ourselves in a way that is human because the machine is too big. So in a post-COVID environment, people want to see their friends. They want to connect with each other. They want to share their snark and their memes and their promotions and their articles. And they want, that's what they all they want. It's very simple. And this is why like Twitter really failed horrifically because Elon had this misguided sense that journalists were like the problem because he doesn't like being reported on. So he, his, as we know with Twitter at this point, every single change in the Twitter platform is because Elon Musk himself believes what's happening to him only is happening to every single user, which is completely false. That's a hundred percent wrong. He is an inept operator of this program. He wasted literally 44 billion, but that's a misunderstanding of the basic user. We already know billionaires, Sam Altman, you know, like these technologists don't actually know how the, the human, the actual operator of the, of your platforms lives, wakes up, does things. They just don't know. They just don't have a sense of that. So they do things based on what they believe, but a good platform listens, you know, a good platform understands. Meta's uh, advantage here is, ooh, it's about to be weird what I'm about to say, a 25-year uh, experience of like kind of learning what happens here. That means that's a more than a full generation. So now we're almost three generations into Facebook's products and new generations coming in through it. And so that's, a, that's an amazing amount of learning and data that can be employed. That's somewhat scary to me because that's the type of thing that becomes invisible. You know, that's the type of thing that we normalize without criticizing. And so that that to me is also it's it's you got to take some of the good with the bad, you know. And as of now, the community has shifted rapidly to blue sky and threads and much more threads because the barrier to entry was dropped. It was just an easy download, turn on. Very, very simple. I mean, you can't, you can't get much simpler than that. No. And that is why Threads is so well positioned. I imagine by the time this releases that the number of users on the platform will probably be closer to 60 to 70 million. And I think that leads us to our final question, because I don't think we can go much deeper at the current moment. But a year ago, last summer in 2022, I was instructing a middle school workshop about social media. And I was curious about how this course of 13-year-olds experienced the internet. And when I asked the class if anyone in, was a registered Facebook user, one student raised their hand and said, Facebook is the platform where my parents get their lies. And, <laughs> and so 
there is a real stink. I mean, personally, I deleted my Facebook or stopped using my personal Facebook in 2019. I don't have a personal Instagram account. I don't have Messenger and have not in about a year. I know you have a similar experience, but Jamie, everything that we know that has gone wrong in the last decade and a half with Facebook from uh, data privacy abuse to failure to prioritize trust and safety in key regions around the world, inconsistent cooperation with governments and specifically democratic governments, and billions of dollars wasted on metaversal investment, can Meta shake off its bad reputation with this platform? For a while, it can mask it. That's the best answer there. For for a brief period, which we're going to witness over the next few weeks, it's going to find itself in a positive PR environment. (laughs) It's going to be in a place which is, imagine the opposites. The opposite is that Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday or it was a Monday, uh, sometime last year that what Facebook went offline and WhatsApp went offline for six hours. And weirdly, it was like the day after a ton of papers came out about things that Facebook knew. And so they that was embarrassing. I mean, that was embarrassing to the point where they pre-launched the term meta. They pre-launched the metaverse. They, nothing was ready, but they did it to disguise their PR mistakes. The PR rollout for Threads is kind of amazing because the day that it's the Threads PR started was really when Zuckerberg posted his uh, thirst trap pick with his body armor on and basically was prepping war inside of these spaces. And Elon, knowing that he's like a sad man, took it as a threat and really wanted to fight until Elon's mom said, no, no, no fighting boys. That's the beginning of the post. And so they they lifted it into this spectacular area. It's, it was, it's spectacle. It's not technical. It's spectacle. And that is a trick that I think is cooler than most. And so when I'll, over the next few weeks, you're gonna see a positive engagement to meta products. Is it sustainable? No, because poor Uncle Phil is gonna fall down a rabbit hole in like three weeks from now. And you know, it's, <laughs> and he's gonna, it's, he's gonna find himself uh, in Texas with negative 48 looking for JFK or something, you know? So threads might just be the same door, just in a, in a new wrapper. And to, to note about these wrappers is pretty important because one thing we noticed about Twitter is that Twitter's failure is making itself unsafe. And then when you lose the diversity of engagement, you just have an echo chamber uh, doing this. And so like Parler and Truth Social, like they're not fun. There's no discourse. It's just everybody on the same team. And Blue Sky kind of was like suffering from that too by doing somewhat of the opposite. They were deleting the bad actors. There's still engagement and conversation. But Threads is like, here's all your friends that have been posting their funny lunch pictures 12 years ago. And now you can actually chat with them. Like, whoa, like that's a, that's a neat little experience that will cause people to see Meta's products in a brighter light. Also, keep in mind, when you open threads, it says an Instagram product. They've done a very good job to hide Meta a teeny tiny logo at the bottom to make sure that you know you're using Instagram. And by using Instagram, you're more comfortable because Instagram did not suffer as much bad PR as Facebook did. Even though Instagram's Facebook papers show, there is evidence that Facebook knew that it was harming 13 to 16-year-old girls at an extreme level. Not your basic level, but like an extreme level. And so this is not a safe product, uh, but this thread is, is clean, clean slate. And they're riding the hype, the anti-hype of, of Twitter. It's kind of like that uh, schadenfreude thing, which is like, you just want to see Elon not feel great. you know. So sometimes threads might just fill in that gap of knowing that it's hurting this adult man-child. It's really kind of enjoyable for that as well. So I don't know how long it'll last. I don't know how long this will sustain. I know that once you start the app, though, too bad, you're 
a Threads member. So <laughs> that's that's life. So just fair warning to who's out there that it's there. But it is a clone. The only difference, let me end here. The one difference that I noticed is something that is unique to this product that is not on the other ones. So all the all these clones have the same UI. It's a little block of text. It has three buttons, like share, repost. You know, it's everything's the same, all of them. You know, it's just the same structure. But on this one, there's a little send button. And that send button sends it to your story on Instagram, which turns your text into a visual product. And that, to me, is something that we could continue a conversation another time, which is when I believe that the end of memes is because we've end of platforms. There's no more platform grammar. So now everything's a screen grab. So every screen grab is going to be usable as a library. So what it's doing is preempting the screen grab. That's neat. I'll give them a small amount of credit there. And I think that's a wonderful place to end. We will pick up that conversational thread on a future episode. Jamie, thanks so much for joining. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Digital Void podcast. For full show resources and notes, please visit the episode description.